Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sharp Lessons Podcast, everybody. We are Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. He's Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. Nate, week two of the NFL, week three of college football. I'm back from Phoenix. It finally feels like a normal temperature in Chicago. Fall's on the way. I'm excited. I'm glad I'm back from the oven that is Phoenix, Arizona. I don't understand anyone that wants to live there, but week two and week three are upon us. Yeah, can't ask for more than that. It was a really exciting college football week two with plenty of upsets and that really rolled into Sunday where a ton of favorites on the road went down, failed to cover, and then it capped off last night with the Seattle Seahawks getting the outright upset as about a six-point underdog at close against the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. So kind of one of those weeks where we don't really know anything about no. football and to embrace kind of the craziness, especially this early in the year, because we don't know what a lot of these teams are. So don't be afraid to maybe take some high-variance bets and results in terms of betting and don't be – laying a lot of chalk on big favorites and parlaying them up because probably not a good bet uh, based on especially what we saw the last uh, week on Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday night. Yeah, it was certainly a fun weekend. I mean, looking at our best bets, we did well. Clean sweep, 3-0. and USC yep. minus 8.5, Kentucky plus 6. Those both hit for me. You had the Browns pick hit, which I'm sure you were sweating that one on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I think I gave out Browns plus two as a best bet, but I know right after the show, the line moved to pick them, and then I think on game day went back to Panthers minus one and a half. So you should have been able to win that game no matter what number you got it at, especially if you were betting that game early in the summer. If you could have got Panthers plus four and a half, plus three before the Deshaun Watson suspension, that would have also won, even though Carolina yeah. lost the game. Um, that game landed. Browns, they won by, I think it was a point or two. Two points, yeah. Right, right in the middle, right in that zone where uh, within three, uh, both key numbers. So, yeah, that was a little bit nerve-wracking because I did actually think the Panthers were going to score a touchdown at the end to win the game, but they kind of mismanaged the clock, had to settle for a field goal, and gave the Browns enough time to drive down the field and score a touchdown. So, Happy how that turned out because the Browns were clearly the better side on Sunday, even though it got close at the end. Yeah, so we got a lot to talk about, a lot of line movement going on for both college and the NFL. And we got a Thursday night game to talk about a little bit later on. So we wanted to uh, give some of our bets or at least some of our leans and picks for Thursday night football. Uh, You can follow us at Stadium Bets. We'll be posting all of our best bets and some of the videos and everything on there. A little bit of set decorating going on. We're, We're... we're under construction. Pardon our dust. Whatever it may be, we're we're trying to figure out this new podcast room that we're doing. So well said. It's changing. We got uh, we got a little NFL football in front of us. A little um, 
what would you call a little mock-up of the United Center yep. also on this little table. So if you want to see how, how the sets look and just go to Stadium Bets, we'll be posting those videos as well. But let's just start. Let's look at some of the opening line movements. We got opening bell uh, starting with some of these openers. I, I do – I guess we kind of passed over lesson of the week. We've been trying to do kind of what we learned week by week. I, I don't know if there was really a big lesson to learn on either the NFL or college this weekend. I think the lesson was we don't know anything, especially college football. <laughs> I feel football. like that was last week's lesson too. College football, I was away from my phone for a couple hours. I turn, look at my phone and I see three scores back to back to back in a row in a score app. And it was Washington State beating Wisconsin, yeah. I think a 17 point and a half underdog. App State being Texas A&M, which was truly shocking. And I forgot the other upset at the time. Maybe it was Marshall, Notre Dame. or yep. I mean, there's so many big upsets on uh, Saturday that we'll get into in situations of the week and maybe how to make money off those games. But just kind of like we don't know anything. Uh, just no. a crazy, crazy sport college football is. And I think that's actually a good thing for the sport that a lot of unexpected results can happen each week. And even though the postseason for college football gets criticized a lot, I think there's a lot of enough juice in the regular season where there's at least a good entertainment value week in and week out. So I think that's what we uh, learned you don't, you don't know anything, don't know anything. and anything. if you look at NFL survivor pools, the uh, five of the top six consensus picks went down in Jeez. the Broncos last night, the 49ers, the Colts tied, so you're out for survivor, the Bengals and Titans at home losing as favorites, and there was definitely another one, but I can't think of it. I, I think those were the five, but uh, yeah, the Ravens really the only team that survived that, and then the Saints didn't cover, but somehow came back to beat the Falcons, so... Not a good week for the favorites, and uh, maybe that's a way, though, where some of those favorites who lost last week will be a little bit undervalued and kind of buy low on them. So I wouldn't be blindly backing underdogs again this week in the football on Saturday and Sunday, uh, maybe because some of the lines might be shaded towards those dogs. Yeah, I definitely learned that if a line looks too easy – it usually isn't. I think that's the one thing you learn. I mean, if you look at some of the favorites, you know, San Francisco, you want to look at uh, Denver, as you mentioned, it's one of those things where it's like, it seems obvious that you would pick some of those favorites, but usually that's not how it works in the NFL. The NFL is too tight usually with some of these teams. The, the talent level is yeah. usually so even that if, if a line looks like it's too easy to hit and you think it's going to be a winner, it, it usually is not. Yeah, I think that's the big thing in the NFL. The difference with NFL and college is the best team in the NFL could be favored against the worst team of the NFL by, you know, 16 points or something. Like if the Bills played the Jets right now in Buffalo or something, and you you wouldn't just back the Bills minus no. 16. You'd, the point spread's a great equalizer. Meanwhile, if the best team in college football played the – even the <laughs> – the fifth best team in college football you might be laying 16 if if georgia was to play like clemson or something so yeah i think that's just the big difference and the professionals are all pros they're the best of the best and uh you can't overreact too much to to one result and like the gap between teams isn't as wide as we think i guess is the is the lesson especially in the NFL. So let's look at some of these lines for college football. Some of the We picked out three games, some, some line movement that we were interested in. Oklahoma-Nebraska in Nebraska opened at minus 16 in favor of the Sooners. That's down to 11.5. 
Scott Frost is gone. Yep. So I think this could be a good week to start looking at Nebraska as a team to actually bet with no Scott Frost. Well, certainly the betters have betting the Nebraska down to 14, 13, 11 and a half. It keeps <laughs> yeah. going down. Seems like we've kind of stopped here at that 11, 11 and a half range. And I don't blame them. I mean, I would consider Nebraska that might be end up being a, a money line pick for me yeah. in the article we do at Washington.com, Dogs with Bite. I mean, it's almost a simple handicap in terms of you're getting Scott Frost out of a team that clearly could not win close games. I don't know if it was because of his coaching or just a horrible bad luck, but there was enough of a sample size where it was probably his coaching. And I think one positive for Nebraska is Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator, with Scott Frost out of the way, Whipple did a great job at Pitt last year. So with Frost out of the way, I think he's still going to be able to run that offense pretty effectively. They might not be able to get a lot of stops, against Oklahoma which is always a concern but Oklahoma also not as maybe strong in in the past and there's still some question marks with Brent Venables kind of first true test on the road as a head coach in college football Dylan Gabriel going to an atmosphere that he probably isn't really familiar with from his days at UCF so I really do think Nebraska could keep it close and I think there's enough variance in this game where if Nebraska kind of comes out and together and kind of rallies the troop post scott frost that maybe uh they can sneak out a an upset here i mean this team is so bad with scott frost that you would have to imagine them just being rid of him and his system and whatever he brought to the locker room that's got to be a plus it has to be a plus and then they have this home game it's basically week one all over again for nebraska i mean i'm sure the fans are going to be excited it's going to be loud it's going to be exciting because now they feel like all right we got rid of scott frost we actually maybe have some shots to win this game. So I, I do like it as long as it stays above that 10, yeah. 10 and a half number. That's my worry that uh, like if I would be if, shocked if it went below 10, I was trying to think if, if Nebraska beats Georgia Southern and they lost as 23 and a half point underdogs. And that's why Scott Frost ultimately got fired this week instead of after October 1st, when his buyout dropped to 7.5 million instead of 15 million. Then I think this line maybe be like Oklahoma minus seven or something. You think it'd be that low? Yeah, just like if Nebraska took care of business against Georgia Southern, I think there'd be some doubts about maybe Oklahoma to mm-hmm. cover a big number on the road with Nebraska seeming to like be okay. But I guess in retrospect, Nebraska losing to Northwestern, who then ended up losing at home to Duke, Doesn't makes Northwestern <laughs> Nebraska's yeah. loss even worse. So I guess you can kind of play a devil's advocate if you do want to not bet on Nebraska, which is completely fine. But I think there's an interesting high-variance angle on Nebraska to kind of bounce back after the coach gets fired. Let's look at game two from uh, our college slate for some of these interesting lines. Michigan State at Washington. Washington minus three and a half right now. Uh, They opened at minus two, so they got some money. It peaked at minus four, and then we started seeing some Michigan State money bring that back to three and a half. Michael Penix. Washington quarterback is looking pretty good. Him yep. and Kalen DeBoer are just like a, <laughs> like a match made in heaven, I think. And as an Indiana fan, it's sad to see them succeeding at somewhere other than Indiana. I'm happy that they're being successful and Michael Penix is, is healthy, but why can't they do that at Indiana? I really wish that were the case. Either way, Michigan State's going to have its handful on the road. Washington is not an easy place to play on the road. Yeah, and it's a, it's a later game, 4.30 Pacific time. And I, a game I wanted to bring up just because Washington was a team that I had circled potentially to bet in this game even before the year just because I bet the Washington win total over 7.5. Yep. And then on our Big Ten preview show, I didn't end up betting 
under on Michigan State because the seven and a half I thought was a perfect number. But I did mention how I wanted to fade them in individual games. I think this is the perfect time to potentially fade Michigan State, although I would have liked this if it was under a field goal. If it got back to three, I would definitely bet on Washington, but I think the early money on the Huskies going past the key number of three all the way to four before there was some resistance and some Spartans plus four money came in uh, that you kind of know where that uh, support is and that Washington is probably the uh, the right side in this game, a team kind of on the upswing after a really down year against a team that last year really overachieved in Mel Tucker's kind of second second season, but first season where he really had his, his players and had all those transfers and, and they had a really magical season in East Lansing and, over, and exceeded expectations. So I think it's two teams kind of going in dr- different directions in my opinion, and I kind of like Washington in this spot. I mean, Washington's offense has been – Unbelievable! It really has. And yeah. what, they forty-five not, points and fifty-two points. Not the best opponents. No, not so the best for sure. But we'll, we'll learn more really about good. this. Yeah, we'll learn more about this offense for sure on Saturday before they get into their Pac-12 schedule. Yeah, that that I think that's this is going to be a fun game to watch because we are going to learn a lot about what Michael Penix can really bring to the table. <laughs> being at home final college game utsa at texas longhorns opened as minus 14 favorites got as low as minus 10 now minus 12 and a half Quinn Ewers not going to be playing for texas so that is um that's really the big storyline in this game is how can texas carry on without their redshirt freshman quarterback utsa has been a pretty decent opponent for teams this year too yeah, they lost in triple overtime in a game they should have won to Houston. Yeah. Then they go play at Army overtime, the game that was in the uh, the hangover game of the week situation of the week section, and they ended up winning and, and pushing against Army on, on the plus three. Or if you did get UTSA late, then you would have won um, on, that, on that spread. But when Texas was playing that kind of close game, obviously, against Alabama, I think it closed like 21 on game day. And, yeah. And, it was obviously down to the wire. I was thinking like it would be a perfect time to fade Texas the week after this big game. However, the line is a little bit lower than I would have wanted to bet. 14 would have been perfect. For sure. And I think it would have been 14 if Quinn Ewers was healthy for this game. And I mean, if they, if Quinn Ewers is healthy last game, they might beat Alabama. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to kind of judge and say that it's a lot of what ifs and stuff, but situationally, this is a bad spot for Texas. However, if this line is is it's almost like you're kind of buying low on Texas at the number, even if the situation is bad. So I'm probably going to end up staying away, even though it is really tempting betting the Roadrunners in a pretty bad spot for Texas off a really close loss to Alabama in week two. Yeah, they look the defense. You know, they held Alabama. They 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 held Alabama for a good portion of that game. So I think. <laughs> That is going to be something to keep watch right. for is this Texas defense. UTSA has kind of been all over the map. It, this is an interesting game. I'm, I think I'm going to stay away from this game. I don't really love the 12-and-a-half line, like you said. Yeah. If Texas gets some late money on Friday into Saturday, I think the Roadrunners are, are probably a good good team to bet on if it gets to 14. Yeah, let's see if it gets back there. But, yeah, I'm not in any rush, especially because we'll talk about later in the show. There are so many good college betting angles this week where – don't need to bet every game because there's 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 a lot. Um, right. It's going to be hard to distinguish which games to bet on. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, 
the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's look at some NFL ones we have with the with the market watch. Some of the uh, some of the line movements in the NFL. We got uh, Panthers Giants. It was a pick'em earlier as a look ahead line. Now it's Giants minus two and a half. This game's going to be in New York. People don't like Baker. People didn't. I guess they didn't love what they saw from Baker. It's going to a pick'em to the Giants minus two and a half. You know Saquon looked real good in Week One. Um, I don't. I don't love. I mean, I would probably lean Panthers as the underdog. A pick'em makes a lot more sense to me between these two teams because, to me, it seemed like Week One we didn't fully get a complete understanding of what these two teams can bring. The Panthers, you know, at one point looked like they probably could have beaten the Browns, and then they kind of threw it all away. And the Giants probably could have should have lost that game if not for his field goal at the end so I, I'm not super positive why the Giants are almost a field goal favorite in this one and I really want to lean Panthers yeah so I think the re- reason why is mostly because the Giants did look competent in the second half against the Titans yeah. and and sure it looked a lot better with Brian Dable and you can kind of tell from the sideline the players attitudes that they're happy with the coach, especially going for two. Even if the math didn't say it was the right decision, it definitely fired up the players. And I think kind of building that culture in New York at this point is more important after the Joe Judge tenure there and how down the team was and just how negative the perception was of the Giants the last uh, six years or whatever. I think this is the first time they're over 500 since – 2016. First so, time they got a win opening week in a, yeah. in a while. Yeah, no, exactly. So – the vibes are high for the Giants, but I think it's a little bit too much giving a two and a half at home against a Panthers team who I still think is a little bit better than this Giants team. There's still some question marks about the Giants. And yeah, Mayfield did not look good at all for three quarters, played well in the fourth quarter statistically. But I feel like now as an underdog on the road in a game they really need to have, I like Carolina just kind of situationally in this spot. I mean, they were close to beating the Browns. And Christian McCaffrey did not see that much action. So I don't know if they plan on using him a little bit more. I know they've been trying to keep him from getting injured early on in the season. I understand that, but at some point you kind of have to let him loose. And they, and they did in the second half, but this needs to be a full-game thing for McCaffrey to get to get some touches. Yeah, so let's hope uh, and be, check our Twitter accounts or, or follow us on the tracking apps and stuff because if it gets to Giants minus three, I will – Absolutely. Instantly being batting the Panthers. And what's keeping me back from betting the Panthers right now is the hope that it does get to a full field goal of Carolina. All right, let's go. The second line we're looking at in the NFL, Cowboys-Bengals. Bengals at the Cowboys with the Cowboys. Minus two and a half was the line before this week. And that has completely shifted, obviously, because the Dak Prescott injury. The Bengals are now minus seven on the road. Cowboys are home dogs. I'm not touching anything Cowboys without Dak Prescott. I don't think I was going to touch anything Cowboys with Dak Prescott. But I don't think we see the same Joe Burrow from week one as we did in week two. I think he's a better quarterback than that to throw four or more interceptions, five turnovers. I mean, he's going to be better. Yeah, so quite a line move here as the look ahead was two and a half, and it goes nine and a half points the other way to Bengals minus seven, although it does go through zero, so – not the full nine and a half, but it does go through several key numbers. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things going on here. Obviously, the Prescott injury is probably worth six, maybe seven points to drop off from him to Cooper Rush. But I also think you have to downgrade the Cowboys in general. 
even if Dak was healthy for this game, I think this line would be like a pick em or something because the Cowboys look so they poor look terrible. on Sunday night. Yeah, outside of that opening drive field goal that they had, absolutely nothing on no. offense. And the Buccaneers could have won by a lot more, but they were settling for field goals in the first half and only got one touchdown the whole game. So the Cowboys, I think, last year when Cooper Rush had a fill-in for a game and they were they were fine, it was a little different because it was a better team, better offensive line, better receivers around them. Cooper Rush with C.D. Lamb and, and a banged-up offensive line and, and no real second or third pass-catching threat I think is a real problem for Dallas. So I always like betting against the backup quarterback in his first starts. Kind of the team rallies around the player, and then there's an overreaction in the line, so you're getting line value, and situationally it's good. But the Bengals coming off a loss in a game they should have won where they dominated the box score, coupled with the Cowboys, just kind of a team I don't want any part of. I was really tempted to bet them against the Bucks on Sunday night and just couldn't get around to it because I knew there was some serious sell signals with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys would be the only way I could look in this game. However, I'm just going to pass this one. Um, I know the Bengals definitely the better team, but that's built into the number. But the Cowboys just just can't get behind them, even if I do think this line's a tad inflated. All right, the final game that I think we're both looking to bet the underdog in this one is the Raiders and the Cardinals in Las Vegas. Uh, the look-ahead line was Raiders minus three, which I would have hammered if that was the line for this weekend. For sure. But they've been getting a lot of money, obviously, after that Cardinals horrendous performance against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Cardinals are now plus six in Las Vegas. But with that said, plus six, if that gets to six and a half, we see Vegas get some more money, I think I'm going to have to pounce on the Cardinals. Exactly. And there's a lot of Arizona injuries that impacted the spread from last week's game against Kansas City where they closed six and a half at home against KC. And obviously KC won and covered rather easily. So we'll see about the Cardinals injury report. Maybe that'll kind of indicate where the line goes from here, where it's mostly six across the board. And yeah, I think it's kind of a the this is the poster child game of kind of trying to play against an overreaction just because yeah. of how bad Arizona looked. And I, there's a lot of concerns with this Cardinals team and the fact that they didn't look good in Week One when and historically they've played well early in the year with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury in charge uh, is a concern. However, the Cardinals have played pretty well on the road, especially last year. So I feel like this is kind of the spot, maybe like give them one last chance, especially if this number's out to six against a Raiders team that lost to the Chargers, kind of a lackluster performance. They could have covered at the end if they went for, if they converted two-point conversion. But I feel like this is a little bit of high of a price on a Raiders team that is definitely improved probably from last year, even though that team made the playoffs and this team might end up winning less games. But there's some offensive line concerns for the Raiders. And, yeah, in general, I just think this line has kind of gone too far, even though it's probably justified because the Cardinals are so poor or look so poor. They did not look good. Not a lot of hope, and people are betting against them like they knew the final score last week. Um, I I think the Cardinals at a certain point have to become a bet against the spread. And at these prices would definitely stay away from backing the Raiders if you're kind of late to the party. Situations of the week. What's the situation? We have a bunch of situations of the week. We only had a couple last week, but now that the games have kind of started, we finally have some pretty quality situations. We'll start with a hangover. Lousy hangover. Some of these hangover games, we have one, two, three, four, five, six hangover teams that you're looking at. 
Yeah, so all these teams share something common. They all came off big wins, either big wins for the program or upset wins. Fade the big wins. Mostly upset wins. So let's just start with a big win. Iowa State, they beat Iowa in the Cyhawk game. First win in that rivalry series since 2014. It was Matt Campbell's actually first win in that series against Iowa and Kirk Ferentz. So that's a big win for them. Now they go back home. They're laying a big number against Ohio. I'm interested in Ohio plus the points. BYU, storm the field win, late night game against Baylor. Mm-hmm. Big game for them. Went to double overtime. A lot of missed kicks at the end if you were able to stay up. Now they have to go to Oregon, an Oregon team that probably really wants to bounce back after that week one embarrassing loss to Georgia. So I'm interested in Oregon, especially if they get down to minus three in Eugene. Then there's three Sun Belt teams that all pulled <laughs> off shocking wins. First, Georgia Southern got Scott Frost fired, which is funny because Clay Helton's a quarter or a coach of yeah. Georgia Southern. They play UAB on stadium on Saturday. I think we'll talk more about that game Thursday. And I loved UAB last week, and they didn't come through for me. So UAB I back on the Blazers train. Yeah, double digit favorite UAB is against a Georgia Southern team off a, a huge win where they, who knows what the focus is like in that uh, that program for Georgia Southern. Then App State pulling off the shocking win at A and M which is kind of surprising because last week I could have considered um, App State in the hangover section because they played that crazy game against UNC and lost. So the fact that they went to College Station, pulled off the win as 18-point underdogs is absolutely crazy. Now they're hosting College Game Day. They're playing Troy on Saturday afternoon. Troy catching, I believe, it's 12 points the last time I checked. So interested in Troy plus the points against App State. <laughs> what a sentence. Interested Mar- in Troy. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Marshall winning at Notre Dame. Yeah. Now they have to go back on the road playing one of the worst schools in FBS from the MAC. Bowling Green, Bowling Green plus 17. Definitely going to be at least interested in Bowling Green fading Marshall off that win against Notre Dame. And then out of the pro ranks, the Seattle Seahawks. And that felt like their Super Bowl last night. It did. Russell Wilson <laughs> back in town. Pete Carroll definitely yeah. wanted to win that game. Primetime yeah. Monday night. Now they have a quick turnaround, short week, a lot less rest. Against the San Francisco 49ers team, who just got bet right before we started recording to minus 10. That's a big number for the 49ers. But the 49ers kind of, I think – in a spot where you can kind of buy, not buy low, but kind of buy a, buy them to bounce back against the um, the Seahawks after they had a rain-soaked game against the 49ers. That I don't think is a true reflection of the team. So 49ers minus 10, definitely going to consider against the Seahawks team that let's just say they had their Super Bowl on Monday night. <laughs> See, I what I really like, I like the Oregon pick because I was high on their team win total for the beginning of the season. And I think at some point we're – I mean, we saw it week two where they dominated. And I think this week we're against BYU. I think this is another week where they actually show the country that they can be a pretty formidable team. I like the Georgia Southern pick and picking against them. I liked UAB last week. They couldn't come through for me, but I think they're still a good enough team, especially beating – a Georgia Southern team, hopefully, that's coming off you know one of those good big wins, program-defining wins for them. Uh, we have a couple of sandwich games. Sandwich. Texas Tech and Wazoo, which makes sense. Wazoo's coming off that win against Wisconsin on the road. 
So that makes sense. Yeah, let's start with them. So they beat Wisconsin as as two touchdown favorites. Maybe that was even 17. It was a high spread for Washington State. And yeah. I don't even think Wisconsin scored enough to cover the numbers if they held Washington State scoreless, which maybe is more a reflection on Wisconsin's offense being what they thought they were. But Washington State now hosting Colorado State. 17-point favorite instead of a 17-point underdog. So quite the role change for Wazoo. And then looking ahead, Oregon comes to town next week. So total sandwich game off the big win with a big rival coming to town next week. Then Texas Tech just beat Houston at home in overtime. And they stormed the field, even though they were favorites. They didn't yeah. cover. <laughs> now they go to Raleigh, which is kind of a weird travel spot, evening game against a – NC State team we think highly of, and NC State, NC State about a ten point favorite in that game. And next week, Texas Tech starts their Big Twelve slate against Texas. So, even though Texas Tech is an underdog, and this is a game that's obviously big, it's prime time against a, a Power Five team, non conference. I think the situation of just being Houston, having to play Texas next week, and beating Houston how they did might end up being a letdown for Texas Tech and NC State has the ability to to pull away and, and win this by margin if they are able to and are well coached enough to do so like they should have against ECU despite their uh their struggles in the red zone that almost led to a outright loss. And that game's down to nine and a half at some places too. So even better, honestly. You can get them under yeah. under two scores. I do I do kinda like NC State. I'm always high in NC State for the past couple of years, so so I'm all in on that. Like like I said, there's literally I was writing down college potential side for last night and I came up with sixteen. There's some other sandwich spots, but like I don't want to try to talk people into betting Akron plus 48 <laughs> against Tennessee. Akron, uh, Tennessee coming off that overtime win against Pitt and Florida coming to town next week to Knoxville. So there's even more situations, but I just wanted to do the ones that I'd actually recommend to people pot- potentially betting because I don't want people lay, uh, taking 48 with the worst team in, in FBS or one of them. Yeah, I mean, UL Monroe plus 50 against Alabama. Oh. little hangover game for the Crimson Tide after uh, just beating Texas. I, I, you see, with, with Alabama, none of the situations of the week are applied because <laughs> they're so well coached and buttoned up. Yeah, so. I, I don't. I imagine Bama's going to try to absolutely pummel UL Monroe. And it's nothing against them. It's that I think Saban's like, we really need to show people that we're good. We're going to score 70 points on these guys. Exactly. They need to figure out their passing game before we get into the, the later stretches of the SEC season. All right, we have the Thursday night football game coming up. Chargers at the Chiefs. This is going to be a really fun game, Nate. I, awesome. I think this is going yeah. to be uh, one of those barn burner games. The total's already gone up a little bit. I got it at 53.5. I took the over. It's at 54.5 now at most places. Uh, that's It's getting high. That's one more point, and that's a pretty crucial 54 number, too. So I don't know if I would fully recommend 54.5 going over. I would. I probably would still lean the over. Chiefs are three and a half point favorites, and that's another line that both you and I looked at, and we sat there and we're thinking like this: the Chiefs should probably be a little higher, maybe five, five and a half. It got to four a little bit at one point today. I don't. Are you leaning any specific way with, with the total or the side? I, I'm leaning the over and the Chiefs, but I'm not fully convinced of the Chiefs. So when this reopened minus three, I was thinking the Chiefs definitely the side, especially because I just heard about Keenan Allen leaving the game against the Raiders with a hamstring injury and with the quick turnaround assumed he would be out. So between that and J.C. Jackson, the big free agent cornerback signing for the Chargers, I thought that it would be kind of a tough ask for him to be ready for this Thursday game. 
and you really need a player like that against the Chiefs. So between the injuries, I thought the Chiefs definitely make sense. The bet and why they've been bet up to their offense minus four. I mean, they've looked. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it, it was one game, but I think that there was a perception that Kansas City might take a step back offensively because there was yeah. a lot of questions like, how are they going to have success without Tyreek Hill? But I actually thought they did a nice job this off season getting more pass catchers and just quality depth where it's just not Kelsey and Hill like it's been in the past. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, they draft Sky Moore. Mikael Hardman's still there. So I think that's the receiving group in general and some of the comments Mahomes said about how if you're a fantasy player, you're probably going to hate our offense because we're going to be spreading the ball around. kind of shows that Kansas City really worked hard this offseason to prove that they're still a really good offense, and they showed that against Arizona. This Cardinal, or uh, sorry, this Los Angeles Chargers defense definitely better than the yeah. than the the Cardinals and healthier, especially with the with Bosa and Mac as the pass rushers. And if they can get J.C. Jackson back, that's that'd be huge. We'll, we'll see about that. But at four, I think this line is probably where it should be, and I'd have trouble laying four with Kansas City just because I respect Justin Herbert so much. Even though sometimes the offensive coordinator. Joe Lombardi in, in Los Angeles kind of holds them back from time to time or they get conservative when playing with a lead like they did against the Raiders. They're up 14 in the third quarter, and then all of a sudden it's a one-possession game because they go really conservative in Manila. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the game, a game that I'm really excited to watching and obviously could live bet if I want, but I think right now at minus four, it's probably a pretty good number for this game and makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, the sides are a little tougher for me, but I do the over I think is the play. I, I think again, we've seen what the Chiefs can do, especially in prime time. And and the Chargers have the ability to pop off offensively too, especially with Justin Herbert. So both teams to get over thirty, I don't think is out of the question. I mean, I think we could see like a thirty twenty seven game, thirty twenty four. If you have the over fifty three and a half, that would be lovely. So I mean, I think at least one of these teams probably gets the thirty points, and the other team's probably not too far behind, especially with the spread predicted to be this close. I do have a couple props though for you to run by you if, if to see what you think. Uh, I kind of like the Austin Eckler over fifty two and a half rushing yards. He's gotten the last two times he has faced the Chiefs, he got over that number both times. Kansas City rush defense, at least in week one, didn't show to be anything super special, kind of middle of the road. They were bottom half in in rush yards per attempt as well. I think they were like 18th or 19th in week one in rush yards per attempt. This just seems to me, especially with the down week one that Austin Eckler had, I think you're maybe getting a little bit of better value with his rushing yards. And he talked about that he's going to be better. And I think he's, especially with Keenan Allen, maybe not part of the game plan as much. Maybe we'll see them try to run the ball with Eckler a little bit more. Yeah, very possible, and, and that's a good point. And maybe there's something Eckler in terms of passing and receiving yards. I think he could uh, be a bigger part of the passing game, in yeah. theory, if Keenan Allen is out because he operates out of the slot, so the short passing game uh, might benefit Austin Eckler, the running back. And uh, the book for a while in Kansas City has been a, you can run on them. So yeah. I guess from a matchup standpoint, that makes sense. Obviously, it's going to be game flow driven, though, if Kansas City gets out to a lead. Uh, they might just be throwing the ball of Herbert, and Eckler might not get touches. So as long as you think it's going to be close or the Chargers are going to be within the score of this game, uh, I think that's a fine fine way to look. There was two more. One uh, I didn't put on our sheet, but I was reading earlier today. Joey Bosa to get one sack is plus 165. Last like season, you, pu- you push on one? Or it, just it's to get .75, one? over .75 sacks. 
So if he gets one full sack, you you get the win. Oh, gotcha. If he gets a half a sack, you don't get it. But okay. if he gets two half sacks, obviously you get the over. I was like, that's like soccer totals. With yeah, the, right. The 0.25 or two point two five and stuff. Yeah, so we kind of <laughs> it's kind of weird that way the way it was set up that I saw, but it was over 0.75 sacks for Joey Bosa plus one sixty five, which I think is pretty solid value. He got one sack in the second game against Kansas City last year. He got a half a sack in the first game against Kansas City last year. So he historically, at least in the past year, has shown no problem to get to Patrick Mahomes. You add Khalil Mack to the equation, right. there's going to be a little less attention on him. At plus 165, I think that's kind of a bet worth looking into at the very least. Um, and then Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert's longest rush to be under eight and a half yards. He had four attempts last week, one yard total. I just don't know if he's going to be running a bunch right now. I, I just don't think they want him to run a bunch. I especially don't think he's going to be able to run for nine yards in one rush. He he's may have four or five rushing attempts. His total is 13 and a half. Eight and a half seems a little bit high for his longest rush. Yeah, I, I, I'd be uh, lying to you if I had a, a strong opinion about that, but it does make sense Yeah. Um, for Justin Herbert. I, I don't even know how – how those are priced in terms of longest rush? But... Uh, minus one fifteen each way. Okay, so yeah, that, that's fine with me. It's definitely a a good game to watch, a great Excited. game to watch. I think it's the uh, debut on Amazon Prime yeah, in terms is. of the regular season. Well, Al so Michaels action. Al Michaels back in the fold after we uh, missed him for Week One. So just interested in watching this game and seeing what happens because really any time two AFC West teams are going to play, it's going to be must watch TV. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun game, and we get we get Al Michaels, we get Kirk Herbstreet. Wild. Quality pair. Wild. And then we get Kirk Herbstreet all day on Saturday. Good for him. What a busy schedule that man has. <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday with our Best Bets episode. Again, follow Stadium Bets, all of our bets, all the videos, everything like that. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, but we'll be back Thursday. Every, Not every bet for every game, but we're going to have all of our bets for all the best games for the weekend. And until then, good luck on Thursday night, everybody.